I'm going to ask John to come on up and share from a leadership perspective how we can take leadership skills back into the workplace, use them to make those around us better, make us better, and then ultimately we want the River Valley to be more productive. So, John. Thank you, Don. Hello, everybody. I um, really appreciate that introduction, Don. I thought it would have been longer and more extensive and a lot, a lot more flowery, and, uh, but uh, I appreciate it. And I also appreciate you using that picture that's about 15 years old. Back when I had a lot of hair and it was dark, my goal now, you know, is to figure out how I could grow it on my head as fast as I can grow it in my ears. But I appreciate you coming out today, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about leadership. And um, before I do, I want to say that uh, I, grew, I actually was born just up the street here on 18th Street. My mother and father lived in a big two-story house up there, and I grew up first for five or six years of my life, and then we moved out near Eufus. Uh, I was really fortunate to get a job at Baldor part-time in 1970 when I was in my first semester of college. And I worked there for 41 years and uh, advanced from a part-time person mailing out sales literature to chairman of the board and CEO for the last 11 years. There's so many entrepreneurs uh, in this area. And it, it's so impressive to, to, to read about and talk about people in this area that have been successful in business, started their own businesses, or been entrepreneurs within a larger uh, company. And the guy that I worked for for many years was a good friend of Sam Walton's. And one time he asked Sam Walton, he said, Sam, what is the, how would you define an entrepreneur? How would you define an entrepreneur? Now think about that, you know, an entrepreneur does so many things, it really would be hard to define. And Sam said, you know, I don't think I can define an entrepreneur. I don't think I can define the word. But he said, I know what an entrepreneur is not. An entrepreneur is not a bureaucrat. Now think about that. Isn't that true? Bureaucracy is a cancer. Don't ever let it in your company. If it gets in your company, get rid of it. Bureaucracy will bring you down. Another big uh, entrepreneur from this area who's been in the movies recently was J. Paul Getty. You know, J. Paul Getty started out over in Oklahoma. He became the richest man in the world. There's a great movie that came out over the winter about J. Paul Getty and the kidnapping of his grandson in Italy. Maybe some of you saw it. It's really an interesting movie. Getty was an interesting guy. I saw him interviewed once by the Tulsa World, and the person on the, at the Tulsa World said, uh, you know, Mr. Getty, you bet everything you had on the oil business. You borrowed every penny you could borrow. You mortgaged everything you owned to drill oil wells, and you were hugely successful. In fact, you're now the richest man in the world. But there were a lot of other people that borrowed every penny they could and bet everything they had and drilled oil wells, and they were not successful. So what do you think is the difference between you being so successful and the others not being successful? And Getty said, well, you know, some people strike oil and some don't. So it does require some luck along the way, but uh, in J. Paul Getty's case, he had 
lots and lots of luck. I really didn't uh, set out to be uh, an employee of Valdor. I wanted to be a. I wanted to go to a wor work in a bank. Anybody? Any bankers in here today? I wanted to be. A, I wanted. I actually wanted to be a teller. I knew a teller in a bank, who in his first year, brought home four hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I thought, man, that's a great business to be in. But unfortunately, in his second year, he was in jail. <laughs> I hope you don't mind me wearing these glasses. You know, as you get older, you have to have these reading uh, glasses. And uh, I probably bought them at Dollar General. I read a book, finished it yesterday on Dollar General. It's a great book. It's called My Father's Business. I'd recommend it to all of you if you're interested in entrepreneurs and, and leadership. These uh, the three people that... Uh, ran uh, Dollar General until uh, about 15 years ago, were really interesting people. The last one had to fire his brother, and he had to fire his father, who started the company. And uh, that it was very difficult, it was a very interesting uh, story, but I'm getting off the subject. Don told me not to get off the subject, so I'm At Baldor, I had, um, I held many leadership positions uh, in the 41 years that I worked there. And I worked for a lot of really effective leaders. And I also worked for some leaders that were not effective at all. And I, I promoted a lot of people into leadership positions. And a lot of those people were really effective, but some of them weren't. And I hired people I thought were really great uh, leaders. And some turned out to be good leaders and some turned out not to be. Fortunately, I. I got it right more often than I got it wrong. But in, in going through this, I always thought about, well, how, how can you identify a really effective leader? Because it's so much easier, you know, if you get the right team on board, everybody pulling on the wheel in the same direction toward the same goals, business is simple. You'll be a success. But getting that team put together uh, is the difficulty. So I've read hundreds of books, uh, a lot on leadership, but I've read hundreds of books on famous people, uh, like the book I finished yesterday. And I've just been interested in true stories about entrepreneurs who were leaders in their field, who worked hard to become uh, successful. And I define a, a leader, an effective leader, as a person who can influence each person each person in a group to accomplish a common goal. Um, there are a lot of effective leaders, some good, some bad. You can be a bad effective leader. You know, in World War II, there was a great leader, Winston Churchill. He was a tremendous leader. There's a movie just out on him last winter as well. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. But Adolf Hitler was also a leader, and he was also effective for some period of time. So there can be good leaders and bad leaders. We're going to talk today about the good side of leadership. Uh, one thing for sure is that leadership is not inherited. You don't inherit leadership skills. You can't go to Amazon and purchase leadership skills. That can't be given to you as a gift. They're skills that you have to learn over time. They're skills that you learn by trial and error, by 
by watching other people, by reading about other people. Uh, but they're not something you can just uh, uh, buy and, uh, and suddenly become a, a good leader. So here are the traits that I have put together. And these, I'm sure you'll think of others that, that um, from leaders you've known or things that you do yourself. But these are the things that I think are the key traits of a good leader. A good leader, an effective leader, knows that his first responsibility is to remove the roadblocks that keep their team members or their employees from fulfilling their full potential. To remove the roadblocks. It's not to do all the work yourself. It's not to tell everybody what to do. But the people that work for you have roadblocks that they just can't get around. And the effective leader understands that, and he works to eliminate those roadblocks so that the person on the team uh, can realize his or her full potential. Leaders define reality for the team. You know, my, ex my experience has been that people can handle the truth. And you see in a lot of people who think they are good leaders, they'll kind of sugarcoat the truth, maybe not quite level, but you've got to level with your employees and you've got to tell them the truth. If things are not good, you need to tell them they're not good. The people that work for you can handle the truth. They can't handle BS. Is that the right, is that a politically correct word for bullshit, the way you would say it? They can handle the truth, they can't handle BS. And the, the effective leader defines that reality. Effective leaders create simple goals and repeat them often. You know, I've seen uh, situations where someone would establish 20 goals for his group or his plant or his sales team, his company. You can't have 20 goals and expect to achieve them. Nobody will remember any of them if you have that many. You have to have a just a few goals. They have to be simple so everyone understands them. And then you as the leader has to repeat them over and over and over and over and over. Anytime you're around the team, you want to talk about the goals. And um, it, it takes doing it time after time after time to make it work. Uh, the leader creates a value system for the team. The leader, uh, and, and hopefully that value system is honesty and integrity, character, all the positive things, fairness. Boy, the one thing, you know, you want to be careful about is you've got to be fair with everybody on your team. You've got to give everybody an equal, showing uh, preference for one person, you know, and that's always the case. You always have a, a guy who's old Jack, he's the go-to guy. I need somebody to work this week on overtime. I'll just ask Jack because I know he'll do it. He does it every time. Well, maybe somebody else on the team would like to have a little overtime every now and then. So you've got to be fair. You've got to create uh, a value system that uh, honors honesty, integrity, fairness, and character. Leaders don't let their ego get in the way. 
a really good leader checks his ego at the door. I know a guy who worked for me who was an outstanding person, smart, had everything he needed, could really move up uh, the line a long way. But he had an ego that would not allow him to do it. Every time he did something good, his ego took over and he did something bad. And so, you know, he works somewhere else now. But um, you've got to take, you've got to keep your ego under control. Everybody's got an ego. You wouldn't get the, you wouldn't, you know, get to the position you're in. Um, check your ego at the door. Keep your ego under control. Be realistic. Leaders, effective leaders are realistic. They're realistic, they're optimistic, they're honest, and they're always faithful to the team. They're always faithful to the team. I mentioned my glasses. You know, my, uh, my grandmother lived to be 90, and she never did use glasses. She always just drank right out of the bottle. But... Uh, Leaders, effective leaders, good leaders, don't blame others for failure. They blame themselves. And if they're successful, they give all the credit to the team. If they're successful, you give all the credit to the team. We did it as a team. Everybody did their part. We were a success. If you fail, it's the leader's fault, not the team's. The leader didn't get the right people in place. The leader didn't give them the right resources. He didn't coach them the right way, whatever. But the effective leaders don't blame others for failure. They take the blame themselves. They give all the credit for success to the team. This is one I've seen violated a lot. Leaders criticize people only in private. They don't criticize people in front of their peers. You know, if, if you've got people working for you, there will come a time, there probably has come a time, when you, have to, when you have to sit down with them and say, hey, we need to talk. You know, there's some things that uh, you're doing that I'm not happy with, they're not consistent with our values, or they're not consistent with our goals. We need to have a little talk. But don't ever do that in front of anyone else. And don't ever reference anyone else when you do that. You don't want to ever sit down with someone and say, I'm not happy with the job you're doing. If you did it like Jack, you know, he never makes a mistake. If you, did it, if you just did it like Jack, you'd be a great employee. That's a turnoff. So only criticize in private and never mention anyone else's name when you do that. Leaders, a lot of t times people will say, he seems to be able to see around the corners. He seems to be able to see what's going to happen before it happens. And good leaders are that way. And they are that way. They're able to predict the future. They're able to see around the corner because they're so involved in their business. They so understand it. And they're good listeners and good observers. You know, if you'll just listen, I can remember... Um, a lot of uh, several of the good leaders that I worked for, and I don't remember that much that they told me, but I can remember a lot of times when they were willing to sit down and listen to me. You've got to be a good listener to be a good leader. 
And if you're involved in your business to the extent you are, and if you listen to the people around you, and if you observe what's going on, you can see around those corners. Good leaders practice teamwork, and they value the contribution of individuals on the team. But they never value an individual on the team above the rest of the team. You never single one person out of, as being more important on the team or being more productive or being a better uh, uh, leader on the team. You never do that. You value their individuality. That's important. But you never value it more than you value the team, the entire uh, team. Leaders have courage. They give their followers, they give their team members freedom. That's something that a lot of leaders have trouble with, is giving the people that work for them freedom. Freedom to go out and try things. Freedom to go out and do things on their own. I can remember when I was first in a leadership position, so often I thought, I ought to go do that myself because I can do it so much faster and I can do it exactly the way I want it done and I don't need to delegate that to somebody else. It was hard for me to learn to delegate things to other people and then accept that they did it a little bit differently than me. But when you get to the point where you can, you can handle that, it's, um, it's really valuable. Now, I... Uh, took a speech class. How am I doing on time? I took a speech class out at UFAS uh, when I was a freshman out there, and this speech teacher that I had told me that when you get about halfway through your presentation, he said, half the people are going to sleep. So he said, you need to stop and tell a story. So it's story time. <laughs> a few years ago, Pope Benedict was out in Colorado put on a couple of big masses in Denver. And while he was there, he told his assistant, he said, you know, over in Rome, they never let me drive. And I like to drive. So he said, order up the car. I want to go driving out in the mountains. So his chauffeur brought the car uh, back to the back of the hotel. He snuck out the back, got in the car, got just a little ways out of town. He told him to pull over. He pulled over, and the Pope changed positions with him, and he took off in the limo. And he got going faster and faster and faster, and before he knew it, he looked down, and he was going over 100 miles an hour, and then there were some blue lights behind him. So he pulled over, and the policeman came up, and he looked in the window, and he said, you wait right here. And he went back, and he called headquarters, got the chief on the line. He said, chief, you won't believe who I pulled over. I pulled over somebody really important. I have pulled over somebody really important. The chief said, who did you pull over? Did you pull over the president? Oh, no, 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 no. He said, I pulled over somebody far more important than the president. Well, who could be more important than the president? Did you pull over Hillary? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I pulled over somebody far more important than, the Hillary, than Hillary. Well, who could be more important than Hillary? I don't know, but the Pope's his driver. <laughs> it's the only clean one I know. I, some of you might have heard it before, but uh, 
Effective leaders work constantly to improve their own skills. They inspire others to improve theirs as well. You know, if, you, if you're out there working to improve your skills, then boy, I urge you to be a lifelong le uh, learner. If you're out there working every day to improve your own skills, the people that work for you are going to say, I should be doing the same thing. They're going to be inspired to do the same thing. I worked for a guy who was really good at that. He taught me how to do it. And uh, I still, to this day, work to try to learn new things and improve the skills that I have. Effective leaders are never entirely satisfied with the way things are going. Effective leaders are never entirely satisfied with the way things are going. What happens if you get completely satisfied with your team or your business or your sales are good enough? We don't need more sales. You'll slowly uh, fade away. So effective leaders are never entirely satisfied with the way things are going. And one of, my f one of my pet peeves is that effective leaders always respond. They show up. They show up at the company picnic. But they also respond to your phone calls, to your emails, to your letters. Everybody uses their voicemail now to screen their calls, and most people won't call you back. Effective leaders call you back. When I worked at Baldor, my policy was if someone called me, I called them back within an hour. They didn't call me because they didn't want to talk. They didn't call me because they didn't have something on their mind that I needed to know about. If they sent me an email, I responded before sunset. That was my policy. If I got to receive an email from someone, I responded before sunset. If I received a letter from someone, I responded within 24 hours. And I always responded the way they contacted me. If they called me, I called them. If they emailed me, I emailed them. If they wrote me a letter, I wrote them a letter. It's important that you respond. People contact you because they, they want to help you in some way. They want to tell you why they're not buying from you, or they want to tell you how they could buy more. Or they want to tell you that there's a roadblock they need your help with. Leaders understand that life is more than reaching goals. Everybody ought to have goals. It's great to reach them. It's something to celebrate. Every team ought to have goals. But what really counts is that every person on the team reaches their full potential. If you get a team of people together, as I said before, it's, it's so easy to be successful when you have the right team together. It's, it's easy. You have to have people on your team, and you have to, as a leader, you have to get out there and help them reach their full potential. I remember going to a Razorback football practice one time, and uh, the, the quarterback coach went over to the quarterback and he said, you know, someday somebody is going to have the perfect game as a quarterback. Complete every pass for, a po for positive yardage, no fumbles. You know, a, the perfect game. Why can't it be you? 
Why can't it be you? Well, that's what you should expect of your employees and of yourself. Uh, and lastly, leaders in business know that they owe the team good financial results. You know, sometimes you hear people talking about how uh, all these big companies, you know, they make all the money, they do all this, that, and the other. Like, it's like there's something wrong with having a company and employing a lot of people and making money and selling things at a profit. But if you don't have good financial results in your, te in your team or in your company, there's no future. You can't continue. I would say Tesla's probably going to face this pretty quick. You can't continue to be unsuccessful financially, no matter how good your product is. Um, and if you're unsuccessful financially, you're not going to keep your customers and you're not going to keep your employees. You're going to be a leader with nothing to lead. So just uh, to conclude, you can't fake leadership. You can't fake leadership. It takes effort to really be a leader. Your employees watch you very, very closely. They're looking for your leadership every day. They watch what you do. Lead by example. They want your leadership, and they want to work for somebody that has character, and leaders have character. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be here, Don. Appreciate it. Thanks for all of you to, that came out. You've been a very polite audience. I think every one of you uh, put your hand over your mouth when you yawned, and I appreciate that. I wish you all great success, and I hope that... Uh, comments I had today are helpful. Thank you very much. I want to thank everybody for coming out today. I really appreciate your attention to a gentleman that I have called friend and a mentor for many years who I truly respect. And those things he spoke about, he, he has lived them. The individuals that have worked around him, I have as good friends, and they echo the same thing that John just shared, integrity, character, and that's what we want in the River Valley. So as we think about the River Valley Roundtable and trying to equip individuals, how do we all get better? We all get better by learning. So here's a great gentleman that I truly respect, John McFarland, to come and give us a lot of items that we can now take back. Think about those. How can you put those in place today, this week, this month, to personally become better at what you do? On September the 19th, we're going to have Rick Jones. He is the second winningest coach of active coaches in Arkansas right now. He's going to talk about how to define a plan and purpose for your business, the necessity of processes, preparation and building for victory, and the importance of attention to detail and fine-tuning successful operations. So again, thank you very much for coming. I hope you have a great rest of your day.